like to welcome everybody to Sunday School this morning. Like I say, it's good to be here. Um, it's good to hear the kids sing. Um, I thought about the, the song that uh, Sean um, Jordan sings about the, the fire and the smoke will not do. I'm thankful that when I got saved, it was by the fire. It wasn't by the smoke. Um, I'm thankful that my Lord um, saved me. And uh, if you're here today and you need to get that get saved, uh, you're in a good place to be. Um, we'll ask uh, Brother Sean Henderson to first missile. morning. Good to see everyone this morning. Lots of energy with the little ones this morning and that was that's fun. I enjoy hearing them and watching them and they sure give it their all. We can learn from that for sure. So appreciate everybody being here this morning. Our lesson today is in the book of Jude. If you don't know where the book of Jude is, go to Revelation, the last book in the Bible, and then go forward one book. Uh, The book of Jude is one chapter, and it is the next to the last book in the Bible. So that's where the book of Jude is. A very interesting book. I don't believe I've ever taught out of Jude. I have uh, heard a couple of messages and I've uh, heard a couple of lessons uh, that I, I looked, I've looked at uh, online or on a podcast, different people's thoughts on some things in Jude. But certainly some good uh, warnings and admonition and some good instruction that uh, hopefully we can apply to ourselves. So... Uh, Who was Jude? Uh, 
Jude, according to what he says here in the first few verses, uh, was a brother of James. Uh, and James was an apostle. And um, James and Jude were both half-brothers to Jesus. Uh, and so very closely connected from a natural standpoint. Now, there are two lines of thought, and I don't know which one is correct. I've studied it. Was Jude who wrote this book, Jude who was the apostle? And I can tell you that the answer to that is maybe. Um, there is a line of thought that says, yes, that's the case, and here's why we think that. And there's a, another line of thought that says, we're just not sure, don't think so, maybe that's the case. I just don't know. It, so if you think that it is the apostle, I'm not going to argue with you. And if you think that it's not Jude the apostle, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, I think there's some pretty good indications that it, it could have been and maybe it was. I kind of lean toward it, it was, but just can't prove it. So certainly James was an apostle. There, was, there were two apostles, similar name. The name Jude and the name Judas were essentially like names that we would say Bill and William. I mean, they were kind of two names that were the same name. So there were two apostles, Judas Iscariot. This was not Judas Iscariot that wrote this book. But there was another apostle who was named Jude and referred to as Jude. Um, and so uh, possibly that's the same person that wrote this book. This book was written approximately 60 to 65 A.D. So it was a very early book written uh, as far as our books that we have in the Bible. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, in the New Testament. So it was written pretty quickly, you know, soon, I guess would be the right term, uh, after Jesus' death. If you think about the, uh, the Gospels were probably written later uh, than, than this book. So um, that's a little bit of history on the book of Jude. Who was the audience? That's, you know, oftentimes that's an important thing to understand. The audience for the book of Jude generally was just Christian churches. It wasn't, doesn't say specifically to the church here or the congregation there or the people that are living in this particular city. I read uh, one commentary that uh, said that possibly this letter was sent to a lot of different churches uh, and, and was used uh, as a, an encouragement or read uh, almost, you know, as a just a letter specific, or not specifically, but generally to the Christian population. And I think that that's a good possibility. Uh, I think that there's what he talks about here may have been going on in a lot of places. Okay. So that is, like I said, that's a little bit of history, a little bit of background on the book of Jude. Our lesson starts in verse 17, but I want to go through and read a few verses I'm just going to pick out and read a few so that you can understand because when we get to verse 17, the first word in verse 17 is but. 
So Jude writes these things for the first 16 verses, and he's saying, this is happening, and this is going on, and we should be careful about this, and this might have happened to you and your church, and if you see these things, be careful about them. When we get to our lesson, he says, but, and then he starts talking to us, and we can then apply that, but we have to understand a little bit of what he was warning about, I think, before we can really get on in and appreciate what he is uh, telling us then to do and how to act if this stuff is going on. So uh, I'm going to read verse 3, and I'm going to read it because out of it comes one of my favorite uh, quotes that we hear preached and used a lot. And you may not have even realized that it came from the book of Jude, but it's a, I think it's something that is, is good. So verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that, and here's where I, the quote I was talking about, that ye should earnestly Contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So, right there, boy, if you think about that and you think through that. Now, oftentimes this or some, maybe if it's not quoted exactly, but the substance of it will be talked about at ordination services. When uh, someone is being ordained as a preacher or ordained as a deacon, that will be talked about. And it's, it is... Uh, a faith that has been handed down from generation to generation, uh, ho hopefully from father to son, but has certainly been handed down from the group that was before me, and I hope that I hand it down and deliver it in as good of condition or better condition to the group that comes after me. And so it doesn't mean that it's my salvation, but certainly I have a work to do once I'm saved, and I have some things that I need to do and fight for, and we need to be trying to still present the gospel to our people and have a church where that that can happen if we let you know if we don't take up any money and we don't do any maintenance and the and the walls fall in and the roof caves in around here be hard for us to meet on sunday morning or sunday night and have church uh you know the county or the state may condemn this building if we didn't do anything well just like that there are natural things and there are even more importantly spiritual things that if we don't do the maintenance and and pay uh, the price to keep those things taken care of and take some action to do those spiritually uh, the, the building may be condemned and it will end up there over time that doesn't mean that it's going to happen next week if we sloth this week but if we turn our back on things over time that's going to happen so, I love this. Let me read it again. Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So, he's telling whoever reads this, be diligent. You know, do your job. Don't slack. There's something, there's something to, to do here. All right. Verse 4. Now, listen to this. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Does that sound familiar? This was written approximately 65 AD. So this was written almost 2,000 years ago. And when I look around, I think, boy, that sounds pretty similar to some, some places. You know, well, you're judging. Well, I'm not judging. I'm not trying to judge, but I can look and I can see the fruits and I can see what's going on. And this sounds like it describes some places that I'm familiar with. Um, so, and crept in unaware. He's not talking about things that are going on out in the world. He's not talking about what's, what's going on over at some bar or some club or something. He's talking about the church. Okay? Crept in unaware. If we don't keep our guard and if we're not careful over in Acts it says uh, Acts 20 and 29 talks about wolves will, will, will creep in or come in uh, and attack. We're sheep so you know a wolf going to come in if it gets a hold of a sheep it can do a lot of damage and so uh, Christ was telling them back there in Acts that that was going to happen and the apostles were warning that that was going to happen and Jude here is saying the same thing. Um, let's go to verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So we get a glimpse here of at least one of the things, and there are several things that we'll read them in here, but certainly one of the things that Jude is talking about is sexual immorality. You read this book, you can't go through it and not understand that he was referring to and warning them about sexual immorality. Well, we don't want to talk about that. Because we may offend somebody. Well, the gospel should offend us when we're in the wrong place. And if it doesn't do that, then the gospel or we haven't done our jobs properly. All right? And the example that I love, and, and it applies, and everybody's heard this, you know, when my kids were small, I wouldn't turn them loose over on I-75 and say, go out there and play in the middle of the road. If they tried to do that, I would go get them. Did I go get them because I hated them or didn't care for them or, you know, was trying to be mean to them? No. I went and got them in that case because a truck or a car is going to run over them and hurt them. If they're in the wrong place, my job as a parent to say, you're in the wrong place. Now, there, came, there comes a point in time when they're adults, and I've told them, don't go out there and play. Don't go out there and play. And if they went out there and said, nope, I'm going to go out here and play right in the middle of I-75, I can say, don't do that. That's a bad idea. But there comes a point where they get to make their own decision. But the gospel, the same way, and Jude here is telling them, there's some, there's some things, and if there's sexual immorality, that's something that you should be aware of and be guarding against. And then he gets later on down to tell us what we should do with that. 
Verse 8. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. Again, he's talking about sexual immorality. Despise dominion. And dominion is sovereign control. Well, what's, what, who is sovereign here? Well, Christ is sovereign. All right. If, if we give him control, it's his sovereignty that we should be deferring to. So he's saying they're not willing to follow what Christ is, is telling them and speak evil of dig, uh, dignities. Let's go over to verse 12, and then we'll, after this one, we'll get on down into our lesson. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they, and talking about these evil people, feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. I mean, he could not have painted a more specific picture of these are not people that you should have in your church congregation, in leadership, doing things in your church. And he, I mean, twice dead, clouds without rain. There's no substance here is what he's saying. They've slipped in and they're in there and they're doing things, but... Again, it's a wolf among the sheep. Okay. So what should we do? Well, that's where our lesson's at. Let's get down to verse 17. Before I get to verse 17, does anybody have any comment about any of that? Okay. Verse 17. So he's telling us they're there and, and they're, uh, they're not following God. And he's laid out a really clear picture for us. Verse 17, but beloved. All right, so now he again, he refocuses and he's talking to the church and the people that are in the place that they're supposed to be. Okay, the people that are trying. Remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of your Lord Jesus Christ. And he's referring again back to Acts 20 and 29. We're talking about they were, they were told by the apostles then that the wolves were going to come in and try to devour the church once if they weren't careful. And so they, they were given some forewarning. So this shouldn't be surprising. Now, it, it shouldn't have been surprising to them, and 2,000 years later it shouldn't be surprising to us. Okay. If we're not, and, and this, is a, this is a warning, this lesson is a warning cry. If we are not careful, these, these things, and I'm going to say maybe some of these things are already happening, but if we're not careful, they will happen in mass. And just like I was talking about, if we don't do maintenance, the walls and the ceiling will cave in. If we don't do maintenance and keep guard, this will happen spiritually right here in Lima Missionary Baptist Church, okay? Now, this applies to everybody all over the place, but this is for us, all right? So we don't have to look down the road and go, well, those folks over there at so-and-so church, I, I think that might be happening over there. And it may be, and I hope it's not. We should pray for them if it is. But this may be happening 
and, and will happen right here if we don't stand guard. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Okay. Are we living in the last time? Who all thinks we are? I do. I think we're living in the last time. Jude, who was a contemporary of Jesus and wrote this book in 60, approximately 65 A.D., so it had been 30-some years after Christ was crucified, declared they were living in the last time. That's what he's telling them. It's been the last time since Christ ascended. When he ascended in the cloud of transfiguration and left them, it's been the last time since then. Who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. If we follow our flesh, we're going to end up in a bad spot. We have to, and I talked earlier about dominion. We have to give control on a daily basis and turn our hearts, and sometimes more than once a day, but we have to do it every day. Paul said, I die daily. What was he talking about? Did he have cancer? No, that's not what Paul was referring to. He was talking about every day he gets up and has to say, okay, I'm going to try to get my heart in the right place, and I'm going to try to follow God today. Please understand, I'm not saying Paul got saved again every day. Paul was saved, and salvation is eternal. It's from the time we get it until God takes us to glory, all right, and then we're in eternity. So Paul wasn't getting saved every day, but every day he had to make a determination that today I'm going to try to kill this flesh and follow God. This flesh is enmity against God. It's contrary. It doesn't want to go the same direction God does. And so that's what he's saying here. How they were told that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, comma, sensual, comma, having not the spirit. So he describes them. Three things that he tells us there that describe who these people are. They separate themselves. I think you can apply a whole bunch of things to that, but um, they're not really part of what's going on, okay? I mean, they might come and be right here and be among us, but they're not part of what's going on, all right? Sensual means fleshly, all right? And again, I think you can refer that back to fleshly lusts, but following things of the flesh and not of God, all right? So they're not joined in, even if they're right here in the congregation with you, they're not joined into the service. 
And I, I'll just tell on myself, there have been services where the church just went to the mountain and shouted the house down and people came and got saved. And I was as cold and disconnected from that as I could be. If somebody asked me after church, wasn't that a good service? I honestly would have to say, I think so. I could see my brothers and sisters getting a blessing, but there have been times that's just been where I've been. And from the smiles, I think a lot of other people may have been there too. Okay, now, there have also been times where I've come and God really blessed me and the church, as far as I could tell, I mean, had church, but wasn't some flyaway service, but God filled my cup up and run it over. Because he knew I needed that. Not that I deserved it, but he knew I needed it. All right. There are times, obviously, for all of us, I think, when we're in our car or at home or in our prayer closet, when God will move and we will get a connection with him. And that doesn't necessarily mean that Neil's getting a blessing at the same time. He may be out in the woods hunting somewhere and I'm home praying because he hunts all the time and never prays. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, he knows I'm just getting picking on him a little bit. But you understand what I'm saying. So, but people that are following their lusts are separated. They're fleshly, that's sensual. And this last part is really, to me, the piece that tells the story. Having not the Spirit. having not the Spirit. I've been to singings before, some of the professional groups, and I like to go. I enjoy their, their songs. and I've been to some where heaven really moved and you could really feel the Lord. And I've been to some where the, the sound was really good. I mean, it was beautiful and the songs were all good, but there wasn't any spirit there, but pretty soon they would generate a spirit. Anybody ever been in that spot? Okay, and again, not meaning to judge, I think some churches may do that. And again, we've got to be careful not to do that right here. But the Spirit of God is different from any other spirit. All right, the Bible tells us try the spirits. Okay, and so. That spirit that you can, you can generate and whip up, and sometimes it's a sad spirit. Somebody will tell a sad story about you know, their loved ones passing away. And, and God can move in the remembrance of our loved ones that were good, saintly, godly people. I'm not saying he can't. But that's a spirit, that sad spirit, that's easy to get confused with a godly spirit. And there are other ones, but that's just an example. I'm just telling on myself, okay? I've been in services before where that spirit start to move, and it's easy to think back and think of this one and that one and, you know, my grandpa, and, and, and it's easy to, to get that way. We have to be careful. We have to try the spirits. I'm not saying God won't move in that, so don't misunderstand me. There have been times where I've got a real blessing in, in thinking about the ones that come before me, but... Um, Trying the Spirit and really making sure that it's God's Holy Spirit is where the rubber meets the road, if you want to, under, if you want to use that, that saying. If it's got the Spirit in it, I can go with it. 
And if it don't have the spirit in it, better be careful going with that because you may end up someplace you don't want to be. Anybody have any comments on that so far? Um, I really want to get up and sing. I, in the flesh, I'd really like to go up and sing, but the spirit just wasn't letting me do it. Today. Yeah. And you dread sometimes when somebody requests a song, you know, maybe you get to hold the spirit, maybe you won't get hold. You go by faith, I guess, sometimes. Yeah. That respect. Right. A lot of it I've seen happen that way. You'd be having a good service and somebody moves in the wrong spirit and it just kills it seems like yeah. so you have to be really careful we were always careful and Bill and Ronnie um, you know were very instrumental in me understanding this but when we used to go and sing a lot we'd have a lot of invitations and I always enjoyed that God blessed us um, but there were some times where in the service before we would get up that uh, kind of a strange or a, a spirit but not the Holy Spirit would move or even sometimes after we got up and sang a song you could kind of feel that and it's easy especially when you're singing and trying to get connected and wanting to have a good service it's easy to get hooked in that we all and I'm not saying we never did we may have at some point but we were always very uh, careful and diligent to try to recognize that and if that started to, to happen, we would. there were certain things that we could do. One thing that we would do is we would sing a slower song because sometimes that's a, a fast-moving, you know, tap-your-foot kind of spirit, and so sometimes we would just sing a slower song. Sometimes, if we had a song that we were singing then that was a cappella and didn't have any music and was a little slower, we would try, if the Lord would let us, we'd sing that. Just trying to, again, find really where the true spirit was at and not move in something that was, was incorrect or wrong. And so uh, and each of us have to kind of figure that out in, in our own selves. But uh, following the real spirit is a real key. Like I said, it's really where the rubber meets the road. If the spirit of God is really in it, then you can go with it. And if it's not, then you can't. And, if, and I will tell you this, if you haven't been connected with the Spirit of God in two or three weeks because you haven't been praying and you haven't been to church, and you, it's harder to discern which one of those it is. The more connected you are with the Spirit, I always was amazed at how Sister Judy seemed like she'd come to church and the choir would sing like the first verse of the song and she'd be ready to shout. How in the world did she get there that quick? Well, she didn't get there that quick. She'd been praying three and four times a day. If you ever went to Enos and Judy's house to visit, they'd say, let's have prayer. They wouldn't turn the TV, not that there's, you know, not the TV's the devil, but there's some stuff on it that is, but they wouldn't have the TV on. They wanted to talk about church and the Bible and let's have prayer and who they had on their heart. Man, they didn't have near as far to go to get to shouting ground as I had to go because I might not have even thought about church since last Sunday when I left the last time and the choir would start singing, well, they're that close, she'd go to shouting. And she's not the only one, but she's a great example, her and Enos both. Okay. Anybody else have something? I always pray for your dad and them. I had a preacher funeral, some song that people 
sing, they try to work them up a spirit in them song, yeah. really song. Yeah. Then he has to get up and preach. Yeah. It makes it hard, I know. Yeah. Yes, it would. Okay, verse 20, he, he changes here. So he's told us, now in verse 17, 18, and 19, he's saying, remember, and here's a description of what these people look like. So you were told before, and we know this, is, this can go on, and you were told this is what they look like, but here's what you should do if you find them or recognize them. This is what the steps you should take. But ye beloved, here he comes back to beloved again, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Be prayerful. Building up yourselves. Well, we're not supposed to build ourselves up. He's saying strengthen yourself. All right? He's not saying put yourself on a pedestal and go, hey, look at me. Look how good I'm doing. He's saying strengthen yourself just like going to the gym you know the bible says that physical exercise profiteth what little there is a little profit in physical exercise my doctor tells me i've got to walk four or five times a week to help keep my glucose where it's supposed to be so that's what i try to do so there is some profit in physical exercise what he's telling them here is exercise spiritually well, how do we do that? Praying in the Holy Ghost. So, you know, there are prayers that are written down. There are, you know, our children say the Lord's Prayer. And you can pray that and be in the Holy Ghost, but real prayer is a connection from right here to right there. Okay? And just like it's said around here a lot of times, that doesn't even necessarily include saying a word. Some of the... the best prayers, and when I say best, I don't mean me, but the most connected I've had have been tears and God hearing my heart and, you know, and, and hearing the thoughts in my mind. So praying in the Holy Ghost. So just because I kneel down or I stand up here and maybe over this, over this microphone say some really pretty words doesn't mean it's actually prayer. It's a petition but for it to really be a prayer, it has to connect. And Denny Hunter preached one of the, I thought, one of the most uh, beautiful sermons years ago about praying and what God would let you pray and how that connects. And there, it, there has to actually be a connection for it to really be a prayer. I try to pray. Don't misunderstand me. I try to pray a lot more than I actually pray. Well, what do you mean try? Well, I say some words, and I try to get my heart to the right place, and I try to connect, but a lot of times it gets about as high as the ceiling and bounces right back at me. Well, why is that? Well, because I never got to the right place or was asking for the wrong thing. All right. God, bless me financially. Well, if God isn't a mind to bless me financially, that's not going anywhere. All right. I read a stat a while back that more men that identify as Christian men pray for financial success than pray for their children's salvation and success. Think about that. Now, I don't know if that stat was right. That was a stat I read. 
And I thought, Lord, have mercy. I hope I've never been in that spot. Now, don't get me wrong. I have been in spots where I've prayed, Lord, I need some help here. But uh, we should have our children's salvation and their spiritual success way ahead of financial success, either ours or theirs. And God can give both. But, you know, salvation is what this is about. So, again, he's talking to us, beloved Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You have to pray and it has to actually be connected. So what should you do if, you, if you've got some time and you get it on your heart to pray and you kneel down and pray and you feel like it hits the ceiling and bounces back? Just, well, okay, well, I'll try it another time. Is there any other options? Anybody else got any suggestions? Okay, I guess we just let it bounce back at us and try another time. I, now, I got to tell you, again, I tell them myself, I have done that. You know, I've, and I've just thought, well, okay, I'll try again later. You know, busy signal right now, right? Phone's busy. Uh, we can back up and try to mend our altar. What do you mean? Well, I can work on me and where I'm at you know, and then try again and try again and try again. I've heard people say, just keep, you know, keep praying till you get connected. How important is it? You know, if it was a loved one over here at the hospital about to die and you couldn't get connected, you just try and go, well, okay. How important is it? If it's the salvation of one of your kids and you're trying to pray and can't get connected, do you just quit? I mean, we have some things that we have to do. And when I say repair the altar, obviously I'm talking about our heart. And we can get ourselves and work on ourselves and try to get ourselves to the position where God will hear our prayer. And I think that's important to do. We don't always don't always just say, "Well, okay, I'm, I'll try again later." I mean, we can you stay after it, and God will recognize that. Same as reading the Bible. Man, there's times I read this thing and it just looks back at me and I just don't get anything. You know, but if, I'll, if I can pray and just keep working on it, sometimes God will give me something and it will be a blessing. Verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? He's not saying that they're unsaved. Yeah, these are saved people, part of the church. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? What he's telling them is keep following God. Do the things that you know you're supposed to do. Have the heart towards your brothers that you're supposed to have. Had this, you know... If this thing happened right here in our church, had you know some somebody that fit this description that Jude gave them here, well, that'd be bad. I mean, it'd be discouraging. Well, I wouldn't get discouraged. Well, you, yeah, you might. You don't know who that is, you know. I've been discouraged. It hasn't been something like he's describing, you know. 
Maybe the temperature's off a degree or two, and I feel like oh, I ain't going back. You know, <laughs> a little too warm or a little too cold. I love this story. Elmer Martin once was taking care of the temperature over at Albert Street, and after church one day, he told Dad, he said, I think I had the temperature just right today. And Dad said, really? He said, yeah. He said, because I had the same number of complaints about it being too hot as there was about it being too cold. He said, if I got the same number on both sides, I believe I got it just right. Great story. Anybody have any comments here? Somebody else? I was just thinking about praying till you get a hold of heaven. Um, it kind of, as a mother, I remember when your kids were smaller, mom, 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 mom. Maybe sometimes you didn't pay attention the first couple of times, but after a while, your earnest plea to me, I would listen. So I think God has to be that way sometimes when we just keep asking God and, and earnestly humble our hearts. He will hear us. That's a little bit different. No, that's good. That, that bound to have been Krista. It couldn't have been me. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things about prayer is, um, you know, we can ask God for guidance in things. Um, and an example of that, I remember when Becky and I were first married, we were looking at buying a different house and moving. And we went and looked at it, and we liked the house, and it seemed, you know, seemed suitable to us. And our, you know, we went through it, and the realtor at the end, she said, "Well, you guys want to make an offer?" And I said, "If you don't care, just give us, a, you know, a day or two. And she's like, "Oh, okay." She said something wrong. I said, "No, we want to pray about this." Well, she looked like, "Pray about it? What in the world are you talking about?" But, um, and we did, and you know, we prayed about it for a little bit, and, and we felt good that God had, you know, blessed that and given us the kind of the go ahead on that there have been things i've prayed for in my life that god just put a dark cloud over and i was really sure that i wasn't supposed to follow it there's a third category for me and i don't know about everybody else but uh, i have been so excited and worked up sometimes about something and i'm trying to pray for it and i'm really trying to hear but i'm so excited that my excitement is noise in my ear or my heart's ear if you understand what i'm saying and i can't hear and I have, and I have looked. I've prayed this a couple of times. I've said, God, I'm trying to hear. Do something here to make this really clear to me. 
And he has. If we're trying to follow, God understands our human nature. All right. And, and he, I mean, he will help us. So, you know, if you're the thing, and I've done this too, I've prayed and thought, well, God never gave me an answer, but time's running out. I'm just going to go ahead and, and go that direction. Wrong. You know, get ready to put Thor in reverse because you're going to have to back up or change course pretty quick. But, um, all right, let's look at these last few verses here. We've got just a few minutes. So now he's talking about the people that are around us. So he's saying, pray, stay in the love of God, and of some have compassion, making a difference. So if this happened here in our church and it distressed me, well, you know, I pick on Neil all the time, but if I was distressed, Neil might be distressed as well. Somebody around you may be having a hard time with the same things you're having a hard time. Have compassion on people. You know, different people react to things differently. It, it impacts. People have different relationships. And, you know, it's easy to go, well, I got over that in a week. Why, man, it's been a month and a half. Why is he still pouting around about that? Well, because it affected whoever that is differently. Compassion. Don't forget compassion for your brothers because you're going to be in a spot where you're going to need it. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So I want to work backwards here. The garment spotted by the flesh. Talking about hating sin. Whatever spots this flesh, whatever sin there is, hate that. Pulling them out of the fire. The commentaries give two different things. One says, well, this is talking about preaching hell really hot to people. And I think that applies. But I also think that there's another application here that if something like that happened, it's going to feel like a fire. It's going to feel like we're in the midst of a real struggle, just like those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego we taught about a few weeks ago. There's going to be a real struggle, a real fire going on. And sometimes we just need to give our brother a hand and say, why don't you step over this direction a little bit? Okay. I have certainly... The preaching hell and preaching it hot, I think that, that you can't say that's wrong. But again, I really think that these descriptions here are talking about us helping other brothers and sisters that are right here in the church with us. And so if that uh, application is correct, I think the fire it's talking about is uh, a struggle or a fight, uh, you know, a challenge that our brothers and sisters are facing. So compassion and be willing to, you know, with fear and trembling, don't move when God's not telling you to move, but prayerfully and fearfully try to help each other, all right? Now, why does it say with fear? Have you ever seen somebody in the place and you thought, well, I've, I'm just going to go tell them they need to straighten right up, and I'll encourage them. I'm going to just straighten them right up. You, you need to get up and get going. Well, that might not be the word that they need to hear right then. And if we haven't done that with fear and trembling and following God, we may have just knocked our brother or sister back two or three weeks or a month rather than bringing them forward. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. Now, unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Who is that? Who's able to keep us from falling? It tells us down here in the next verse. 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Well, if he's got glory, it should be giving you another pretty good clue of who that is. With exceeding joy. His glory, present you faultless, exceeding joy. And we have to have an advocate to do that for us, right? I mean, we can't do that in ourselves. This talking about our connection with the Lord right here. He's definitely our advocate. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory. Another word for glory is honor and majesty. That's talking about his position as being royal. Okay, he's the king of kings. Dominion, again, that's uh, control or sovereignty. Uh, a nation has control over the area that it, it controls or it owns. Uh, a kingdom has control or sovereignty over what is part of its or, or you know its territory and its people. And power, both now and ever. Amen. All right. What questions or comments does anybody have? All right, I appreciate your comments. I appreciate your attention and your prayers. Uh, let's be prayerful going into our service this morning.